And welcome to the charge then. Six Nations round two in the books. Um, I'm just going to open with a quote from George S. Patton. Um, in war, the only sure defense is offense, and the efficiency of the offense depends on the warlike souls of those conducting it. So I think that quote's just important. To... <laughs> um, if you were to look at Ireland and try and figure out like how warlike are their souls based on their offense, they'd be pretty um, pretty bad, I'd say. Where's oh, my quote? <laughs> in context, yeah, but... I, yeah. I think questioning the fortitude of one's soul is <laughs> moral cowards to borrow a famous line. I mean, like, let's just take the the age old example of following orders. Let's say, like, mm-hmm. that gets shown up a lot in like World War Two Nazi excuses. I was just following orders. So I mean, like, if the team plan is to go out there and do a certain thing, and the people do that thing, that doesn't mean they're Week of the soul <laughs> means they're good at following orders. Which that, that, that's a very interesting uh, point because um, I distinctly saw. I think Mary Kinsella put up some stuff about like uh, there was an incident where Arlang win the line out and Billy Burns like kicks the ball into the sky from well, a very good attack position. A, there was a lot of kicks into the sky <laughs> in the first thirty minutes, if I remember correctly. And I didn't like rewatch it or go back, but I just remember thinking. Like, is this all we have? This mm. is, yeah, and then you start thinking, okay, it's obviously a plan, but there has to be more in the locker. Like, you know what I mean? And there is value in the ability for a person to follow orders if the orders make sense and work in in context. But you know, you want these people to have a little bit of agency as well, which I think maybe we lost a bit of that during the Joe Schmidt era because there was such a seemingly such a system in place. And then the system was working. So you buy into that. If the system is working, you buy into it and you don't question it and you carry on, do your job and it works out and you get success. Mm. And then maybe, you know, you become too reliant on a system then. And then another person comes in, tries to bring in a system, maybe the same one, maybe slightly different. And you're so used to buying into the system that, you know, that's all you know, really. And I'm not saying that's what happened. But like, you know, you want people who are good at following lawyers. But you also want people who can see when the orders aren't working and then maybe take a bit of endeavor themselves. I mean, Farrell's come out and stated himself that uh, he 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 wants the players to have agency and he, he wants them to have a bit of free reign and a, and a bit of like ability to make their own decisions out in the field. So if, if what he says is true, then there's no reason why the players can't be doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. But as Just, you said, uh, yeah. go on call back to the very start of Farrell's reign mm-hmm. just after the Royal Cup, all the players saying how much they loved being in training camp I hope the journalists get those quotes and stab them in the eye with it <laughs> how relaxed it is Like, there's a reason Joe Smith was successful mm-hmm. and you're getting bollocks in a Monday training session as part of it mm. and now yeah. with my cats, I want the players to play well in front of them Anyone who plays what's in front of them ends up like that. Mm. With no clue how to win. <laughs> um, I said last, after the Wales game, that we could end up 1-5. and five. Yep. I think that's looking pretty likely now. So, take, I, just, I just to challenge your mindset there, do you think you could take all the best players in the world and 
and tell them to play out in front of them and have it not work out. It wouldn't. See, like, the, no one plays what's, like, everyone plays what's in front of them. Like, you, you can't set up for a scrum when you're in the middle of a game and if you are passing it. <laughs> like, you have to react to the game. Like, everyone reacts to the game. No, I'm scrummaging over here. What? Front of you, they mean, oh, you're not restrained by set piece, pace, set piece plays or restrictive tactics. But, like, it's just a nonsense thing said by people who just want tries run in from your own 22. Okay, okay, I get that. I get that. But let's say, like, you've been told anywhere between the 22s. You look for kicks into territory. Yeah. And they drill that into during the week. And then you're in a situation where that's in the forefront of your mind. And you might have an overlap, say, that you might have saw had that not been so drilled into you. But you're so focused on that thing that you've been said, told that you don't see the opportunity. You just run with the plan, so to speak. I'm not saying that that is what happened. But Rob, you mentioned Murray Kinsler off a line out, whatever you mm. mentioned. And Billy Burns kicking it. We were laughing and joking last week about one pitcher that was floating around from England where they had like a five-man overlap and the guy was shaping the kicker. At about, I don't know if you saw it during the week, a similar thing, pitcher with Ireland. It was about two minutes into the game, I think. Yeah. It wasn't as extreme. I think we had like a four-on-two or something. But again, same thing. He's kicking it. You know, what? how did the kick resolve? I don't know. I didn't see the afters. I can only assume it was fielded normally as with most kicks. But like... It's like that sexton attitude of just kick it and hope bled into everyone or something. Now, I, before we, well, we fully delve into the match, pre-match I was, was quite negative. I think a lot of Irish rugby fans were. Mm-hmm. And if you gave them that half-time score and performance, they'd be pretty happy probably. Well, the score, yeah. maybe. But... The performance was good, especially the first 20 minutes. Um, then Francis started and better at the kicking game. And it turns out they only needed one attack to score a try, which is... I don't, I don't yeah. know that the first 20 minutes were good, necessarily. I, especially because I feel... People thought we were... Not get hammered, but people thought we were going to get well beat. Okay, so in that context, yeah, I agree. And we were fronting up. We were taking apart their line-out. We, we had a shot at goal. We were spending most of the time in their 20 or in the half. These are all yeah. good. Yeah, these are all good metrics if you're scoring. So score, that attack. is the important part. It just turned out that they could score real easily, and Which, we had we were we, we were very blunt. We had no plan B aside from the uh, the kicking game. And once they start getting better at the kicking, this is this is where all right, my mind starts ticking. Okay, yeah. I'm starting to think maybe we're actually not that good, and then I start thinking how do not that good teams win? And I think three points. And then I look around and I say. Oh, who's around here that can get us that? And I see Ross Byrne, and I'm like, I'm thinking over here, I'm thinking, maybe Ross Byrne is the man to just pull us through these games where, you know, it's low scoring and we can rely on our defense to hold the other team out a bit, but we're not going to score. What do you do? You go to your trees, and that he's like, he's proven it again and again that he can place kick quite damn well consistently. So, you know. I'm kind of leaning on the Ross Byrne Brigade, which feels a weird, weird thing to say, but, you know, with, with, with everything else that's going on, it, uh, I think his stock is rising. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> like, no, no, when I thought it, when I saw him come on and he's kicking points, I was like, well, this is how we, um, this is how we survived this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get that, that free try from Kelleher that mm-hmm. leads to, well, maybe actually if we 
if we can if they give France give away a penalty and halfway near the end, we drill yeah. it in, we could set up for a drop goal or get another penalty and we could sneak it that way. Yeah. Um But what's so bizarre about this match for me is we over the last year I'd say, uh, you guys and possibly me as well, have been talking about performance rather than results. Performance rather than results. And like I understand that getting a the win there against France would have been amazing, but I still feel like the performance was totally deflating for me, at least. Just in that, like that first half, say where we seemed to be so dominant in every capacity, but just couldn't couldn't translate it into actual yeah, dominance. This is where I think you see the strengths and weaknesses of the squad and the um, the coaching staff in particular. Um, we have I thought the pack did pretty well. Yeah. Now, just, there's, there's, a, there's a there's a a caveat in that because they're so focused on retaining their own ball, that limits your attack elsewhere. So even if they do play well, it could still be a trade off in the way they perform. Yeah. Um. Like I think Paul O'Connell has an idea of rugby that's very much a ten man or eight man even game of rugby, mm. very tight forwards, very detail oriented, which is good. Like it's it's. It's a style of rugby that, if you're good at, wins games. Yeah. Like any style of rugby, I suppose, to not to put too much of a fine point on it. But the, I said it before, Cass, I, I think he was a, a terrible boy at start. Mm. First, first of all, Farrell being given the job, no interview with anyone else, straight up, like, he's, okay, this is it, this is your next coach after Joe Smith retires. That was, looked great in 2018 and looked terrible after that. And that's still a problem. And because it's a COVID nightmare and all that, unless we finish like fifth, we're just not going to be changes or something, fifth or sixth. Mm. Um, if that continues into next year, there might be changes. We have several player, several coaching staff um, holdovers like uh, Easterby and and the scrum Fogarty. No, Greg Fick's gone now. Okay. Um. So like I thought the forwards performance and particularly the line the set piece in that in, to, in total over the last two games has been great. Mm. You can point that out as something that's really good. Like any team would be happy with that, both on our ball and the opposition. Um, Again, I find that point really interesting because, like, a good barometer of whether a team is doing well or not is often the set piece. And I I would agree with you. Maybe I wouldn't be as strong. I think our lineout was rickety at times in the first game, albeit we did have a good defense and offense on the lineout, i.e., stealing the opposition ball. But I think we lost our own ball a couple of times, so it's not perfect. But I think that you know, if if the set piece is functioning as it appears to be, i.e., quite well, quite efficiently, good on the defense and the offense, why is that not translating into results? And I was thinking that, like, when the way you look at a game, like you say, what's good, what's bad. We actually have a, quite a solid spine of the team. Like the pack is generally good. Mm. Now, last uh, the Wales game, we were down a man, uh, mm. so that's been factored in. But like the tight five in both games did quite a good job. Tight five and their replacements, pretty much. Burn was okay. Good. Burn was better in the uh, set piece. I thought he would be. Didn't really offer too much in the loose. Um, this is obviously in the second game. In the first game, he was amazing. Oh, sorry, you talking about the replacement? Yes, Edburn. Yeah. I thought you meant Tyburn, sorry. Yeah, you're yeah, um, fair enough. Uh is good and I thought I thought Rudder had a good a good game, especially in the line out, which I didn't think he'd be able to 
do do that kind of a job in it. I thought I, I don't see any reason for Peter Manny to come back in that team when Ruddock's playing like that. Yeah, I just feel like Ruddock needed to to put in like a world beater type performance to retain his position, which, which is terrible if it is. Like that, that's no, problem. yeah, well, I feel like he's a vi- he's gonna be like a victim of that. Now, I didn't see anyone like complaining about him being there or anything. Like there was no oh, he Ruddock on the pitch for right? more than fifteen minutes, so that's an improvement. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Van der Fleer has been used or is using himself correctly. Um. I, th- I think I think you could do a lot more with him, but he's he's, he's doing okay. And I think Stander's doing a lot of work. Like he doesn't yeah. have the power anymore, but he's just doing a lot of work, making tackles, making carries. An awful I'm, curious, lot of I'm curious about your Van der Fleer state because, like, I well, 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 like a, he's like super fit. He's fittest guy on the Irish team, I think. Yeah, and he'd be one of the fittest guys in the Six Nations probably. He's not the biggest, not the strongest. Like he can run good lines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he's not going to smash people in the tackle too often. So I would like to see him. I'd like to see him in the outer, especially with Rurik and Stander. Mm. I'd like to see them tight and him out adding to like a backline attack on the, the wing, something like that. Yeah. Or like, because our backline, we don't have a backline. We have, we have the halfbacks and we have five outside backs. And no one is on the same page, really. See, I think Van der Fleer is memed by the number on his back. And by virtue of him being seven, they want him as close to the rook at all at all times. And I don't think that serves him necessarily all that well. I'm not saying he's a bad rook operator, but I just think, you know, I feel like he struggles to find his place in the back row. He's like a kind of a hybrid type player. And I don't know. I, yeah, I think, as you say, having him out in channels, wider channels might be a bit like an element to his game that maybe he could fit into a bit more hmm. well. And like he, he's clearly a top quality player, but I don't know. I just want more. Yeah. And I don't know that he's capable of giving me what I want. I um, I thought the halfbacks were pretty bad. I, yeah. I, I said uh, Gibson Park was bad in this. I thought I thought I said at the time during the game that I thought halfbacks were bad and you got some push, not pushback. <laughs> in the group chat, they're saying, no, I can do well. So I watched it again, and I, he's actually pretty bad. His <laughs> passing is erratic. It's quick, yeah. but it's it's above people's head. It's like it's behind them. Um, he got the box out. He got the ball out quickly, and he had some good box kicks in the first half. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible tackle decision on the try. The bounce pass to, to Fiku, and he came in and Funny he, that, he, he jumped in when he didn't need to when Rudolph was, was on the It line. is funny that the two people who bid in on the two French tries were two Kiwis. I'm not yeah. saying that like Kiwis don't have to defend or anything, yeah. but it's just interesting similarity, yeah. I guess. I saw a lot of people complain about Lowe and Gibson Park, perhaps justifiably, but I think they're both fallen victim to the they're not Irish, therefore I can bollock them. Like mm. yeah, I think you've said it before, Neil, on here that the threshold for abuse basically uh, is far lower for foreign players who have come in than it is for a homegrown player. So yeah. I think like, certainly in Lowe's case, I think uh, Gibson Park is a bit more unproven, but like, yeah, they they seem to be copping a lot of abuse for mixed bags from the two of them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, halfbacks weren't great. No. Well, and I tossed that... Yeah. None of our back. We don't attack as a unit in the back line. Yes, 
I would agree. I, when the players they have to do something on their own, they do better than when they're actually in a planned move mm-hmm. or in some kind of structure. And that's all on Cat. I am like the reason I'm going so hard against him is first of all, he, I think he's a spoofer. He's never <laughs> had success coaching. I think he got in because he was friendly with Farrell. And this is all on Farrell, but they're mm. not going to change the head coach, but they can put the pressure on to get an attack coach in mm-hmm. who actually knows what he's doing. Like we saw what the, the difference Paul O'Connell has made in a short time. I didn't think to be, when people were bigging him up, I was like, well, is there really going to be much uh, difference? Mm. But it looks like, in fairness, there has been. Mm-hmm. Um, our defense is, we're conceding a lot of tries the same way. Mm. And it was understandable against Wales when, okay, there was errors in the defense um, allowing the tries, but we were a man down. So you can understand them passing it to the wing, but they're getting through quite easily that way. Mm. Um, we have the second worst defensive stats in the Six Nations, Italy obviously being the worst. But we're not too yeah. far off the tackle percentage. Despite uh, missed tackle percentage, despite making less tackles than anyone else. Maybe yeah. the reason I think our defense is good is because our attack is so poor that I'm like, there has to be something good going on here. So it must well, be the, the defense. I said the spine, like, I think uh, like our centers are good individually. I feel terrible for our centers. I got to be honest. I think they're the two people in that team that seem to be the most consistent and are always. Every time I see them carrying up, I'm just like, fuck's sake. Like, I just think. <laughs> I just get a sense that the rest of the team is letting ring rows and headshot down, and I don't know why. Um, multiple times, we couldn't do any switch plays, mm. which was which, uh, just really evident that we couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, Burns is a better attacker of the line than Rossburn, um, but still, it, it's not good, even when he's there. There was a, a moment where Gibson Park takes a, like a, the ball off the back of the rock and goes himself, and there's a gap. And you see it a hundred times for Leinster where someone runs onto that ball and they punch through and score a try or it was near their twenty two. But this was no one running on the ball. I was like, Oh Oh, oh I remember that actually. Uh was Billy Burns or Ross Burn outside him? Billy Burns. Yeah, I remember that. But then I thought to myself, I actually paused the TV to look at it because I, I, I usually don't spot shit like that. But I thought to myself then if Billy was in closer, I lining up for the gap. I think the French defender would have been i.e. closer to Rook, so the gap would have been. Yeah. I think it would have been shut down, but I, I, they didn't go for it, which is, yeah. which is, I think your point. But yeah, I spotted that as well. Kind of frustrated um, me. And on their try, like it's some things you notice well, only when they're gone, and that's that was Sexton. Like they carry off the line out, mm-hmm. and they make yards, and a player gets bowled over. Like what happened there? Like I didn't even factor on it until I saw it again. Like Billy Burns has got ragdolled by whoever was carrying it. And they make yards, and they're, they're quick ball, and they've made yards, and that's it. And like Sexton just holds them there. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just the difference of a solid defense of 10. Like maybe they still score a try, the same try with Sexton on the pitch, but like that's another reason why he's been around for so long is that he can actually not only just hold his own, but he's an asset in defense. Yes. And um, I trust. Hugo Keening was good. I think he hasn't missed a tackle yet. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with him is he's slow for a back three player. Mm-hmm. And we have a 34-year-old winger, 33-year-old winger to his right. Mm-hmm. He's now slow. And we have Lowe on his left, who's also slow. <laughs> he, 
in a dysfunctional backline. So we've no well, pace. Keith Earls, I, no, no, no. I'm going to dispute this because I, I always read it. Keith Earls is the, pay, the pace, Neil. I always read that. He's 34, sure, but he, he's the pace. People say that. Well, he's the fastest guy in the squad. That doesn't mean he's fast. That's why he's there. No, no, no. He's there because he's fast. That's why he's there. People say it must be true. Mm. I, I don't think Hugo Keenan's slow, necessarily. I, I, he's not fast. Keith Earls is the pace. Why would we need multiple pacey backlines? I well, thought low was real. It was just a performance that was everything well, that was weak. He's weak ass was highlighted. The thing about low, I want to hone in on him here. Mm. Um, I heard, I think uh, I didn't hear it, but I, I read that uh, Donald Lennon said that James Low has kicked more in the past two weeks than he did than he has in his entire Leinster career, and I think there might be some element to that in that. Yeah. He's following that game plan, and also I would I would contest that the the attempt where he almost scored a try, like he had no right to even get as close as he did. Yeah, I think and Keenan then, could have done a bit better there. Yeah, you're going like, and if he was a bit faster, maybe he could have done it. If that suits my point, I'll I'll bring it up. But <laughs> I, um, he just needs to uh, to get the ball out quicker, mm. or bring it in and delay and get the ball then. But yeah, I thought he should have straightened up a bit. He, and he, it nearly got it. Still, he was only. Mm. A millimeter out, pretty much. But yeah, uh, Rob, like you said about low kicking more. Mm. It's interesting though, because a lot of people who were criticizing him were actually praising his kicking. Yeah. So, like, I don't think anyone, well, I no one should have been against low his kicking ability. Like, Lenser no. don't use it too much. Mm. I think his kicking was great, but yeah. I think if you're if you're great at other things as well as the kicking. Like, there was one instance where there was perhaps a hint of a gap, I think it was in round 22, and Lowe had it, and he ran forward a little bit, and I was like, go for it, like, go for the gap, run it. And he kicks it, and he gets a great kick. Yeah, no problem. But I just feel like it's not why he's in the squad. And maybe you use it occasionally, yeah. But, you know, is that why he's there? I don't think it is. Um, if- I'd actually disagree. I think if you've got someone like a boot like that, use it. It's, it's such a weapon. The problem is that our the whole kicking game got outplayed by France. Like at the start, it was okay, but then France, especially Dylan, really just outkicked us. There's plenty of kicking duels where it ended up us losing ground. Mm. And I've no no issue with a kick based game, especially when we're putting that much pressure on their lineout. But we just didn't execute. Like maybe we can't execute it that well. Okay, so I I would be a bit more despondent, and this is why. And maybe you guys can tell me if I'm correct in my feelings here. I just felt like France looked comfortable at all times. And I just felt like if, if ever we got in the in the leader and they'd just elevate up the gears and do enough. It felt like at no stage were they not doing any more than just doing enough. It actually it like, felt kind of like the uh, game in 2018 where we were better in France mm. and we somehow ended up behind them. Mm. Um, like I, I, I agree with that mainly that France were comfortable. Yeah. But the problem was for them was there wasn't much in the scoreboard and it was a wet day and the ref wasn't giving them much. Yeah, yeah. Like if we got a penalty near the end, we could have won that. Absolutely. There's no dispute um, in that. And but, like, uh... that, I, I, think the, I think they were almost, not an autopilot because that's like what the old French team would do. But when Kettler got that try, I think there was a bit of... A bit of wobble. Yeah. yeah. And actually, like, 
while I stand over my statement, I came up with a counterpoint to my own statement because because why not? They clear they, they I thought their reactions after the game indicated that like they really seriously thought we were a challenge. And oh, we they, were, they, like they, we could have won respect, it. The respect for Ireland over the last few years from France. Mm. Um like they wouldn't be wheeling out the doctors saying Johnny Sexton's near death if they thought we were easy <laughs> easy win. Well, um, it was it was their first win in Dublin since 2011, I think. Yeah, like so, and remember last year they're saying, "Oh, this is, now we've had a whole squad of people who've never known victory against Ireland." It was like us playing the All Blacks essentially. Yep. The, re- the record was over the last ten years or so. But I, I guess to me, there's a contrast there of how they're playing seemed so kind of comfortable. Mm. Let's say they didn't seem too stressed at any stage. They like backed what they were doing. Yep. trusted it they scored when they needed it they did enough and then afterwards there was this massive relief i'm just intrigued that that wasn't reflected in their play like there was no mania so to speak or wobble yeah, well, it, was, it was a wet and windy day and i thought dupont wasn't he wasn't the star of the show which is surprising so we did keep him quiet on that front mm-hmm. um there he was good like and they could have scored a try just after half time but they thrown at someone's head so yeah, that was yeah. a major major let off like we could have been in a bad place mm. and maybe if if Kelleher doesn't get that bounce of the ball try they just they just power on because they've well, they have a big lead well one thing that i kind of took away from that game i i if you look at france's attack versus our attack mm. france just looks so comfortable and like they're throwing the offloads and uh, i think pretty much every one of them stuck or whatever um mm. but you compare it to ours where it's like you know, we scored a try off of yeah, yeah, bounce a, a, a weird bounce and Keller goes through. Whereas theirs was like, you know, they they forced us into making decisions and eventually we'll make the wrong decision and then they profited. So well, and I just they 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 made a few line breaks too, which were um a bit worrying as well from a defensive point of view. Yeah, our defense isn't that good. Mm. Like okay, so that whole sequence of offloads that led to the first try. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I think that's what people have in their head when they say play what's in front of you because yeah. it clearly wasn't a planned move. Might have started off as a planned move, but they obviously didn't account for it. Okay, you're going to offload four times in the sequence of play and it's going to result in a try on the left wing. You know, that's yeah. like I don't know that Ireland are capable of doing that. Um, I don't know, fuck that. that. I think we are capable of doing that. We just don't. <laughs> when you say Ireland, do you mean this 15? Or do you I, mean... I mean, I think those players out there are well capable of doing that and I, having I, a payoff. Well, th- that's actually an interesting point because I'd argue, like, I'm just looking at the team sheets here and I'm like, a guy like Gary Ringrose, okay, who, when he came up through the ranks at Leinster, I assume Joe Smith was there. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe at Leinster he was told to offload, but their entire Ireland careers, they've basically been told not to take risks or not to offload. There's a difference between not taking risks when you're in a system that mm. produces results and there is a even say not like we, we did offload last week and look what happened mm-hmm. True. like you have to get like for every game where Aldrich or something ends up on the offload and runs it in mm. there's been games in france where they've they've dropped balls like and looked clueless like it took a couple of years to make this team and that was on the, at the back of assembling a great coaching staff and several years under 20s playing really well 
Mm. <sighs> I'm just salty. Well, I just want to, everyone I, I just was... shut it all down and have Ross Byrne at 10 kicking three points for wins. That's it. That's the, that's Irish rugby now till the next World Cup, as far as well, I'm concerned. The problem you... is, like, people say that, and I understand why it's like, because it's, well, if we can't win like this, let's win like this. You still need a competent attack to do that. Mm. I think yeah, you that need a serviceable mean... attack. And I think I, I we mean, have a serviceable attack. We have an attack that can get us into the no, fucking... We, we, I think we don't our have attack, attack is capable of getting us. It seems to me we can get into the p- area of the pitch between the halfway and the opposition 22. Mm. And that's where our problem lies, because getting further than that. If we just buy penalties in there and kick trees, it's not the most exciting, but like... I know, but there's a perception that's low skill or easy to do. That's a choice of rugby, just like All Blacks choice of rugby or South African choice of rugby or Australian is we don't have the skills to do that. It may look no skill or boring, but we don't have the cohesion in the, the back line to attack like that, or even the forwards, to be honest as well, to attack like that. Well, I think we were regularly enough get into that area of the field. Oh yeah, we are, but we're so blunt and, and unthreatening that at the, end, at the end of the game, there's no moment at the time I, I thought, let's let's score a try, let's do something. I was thinking, let's buy a penalty, get into their half, buy another penalty, or set up for... Like, that was my... Mm. The, the attacking... Attack for a try never came into my mind once. And not mm. only it's because I'm a conservative rugby fan, but it's... I, I know illusions that we were going to get a try. Only a freakish miss or something, and we mm. get a try. Like, I don't want uh, tries. I just want raspberry and cake and treats. And I, <laughs> I think know, that like, is... As, achievable under the current system i think we can do that and i think but, it can get us wins I, 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 I... well well let's um uh pivot then to uh we'll look ahead i suppose um to the italy game which if we're talking about wins um is a must it's a fucking must <laughs> at this day um, that's so depressing and murray should be fit for it so we're going full strength for that oh but, wow well that that actually so i'll just give the narrative for the for the week um everyone was like okay six nations is done we're definitely not going to win it um throw out the craziest selection for italy and um one one point we didn't touch on was craig casey didn't get to make his debut last week which i don't understand why he brought him yep that's that's if you're not going to trust the guy then don't bring him it's a waste of like just put another forward there or something yep um, um i hate when coaches do that when they bring someone they have no intention of playing that's not like he didn't have options. He could have mm-hmm. brought Luke McGrath or Cooney if he, or Marmion if he wanted someone experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something actually I, I didn't ever raise. That's just a really terrible way to play. Like, if he comes on, gets his, gets his cap, gets his experience, and you don't win, like, what's the difference? Yep. If you, if you, if you think he's good enough you to be your third choice scrum half mm. and then bench him when the first one's injured, mm. you have to, like, it's... it's Go, and this is what leads up to this why we have no nine and why we have no ten yeah yeah so that that kind of feeds into the narrative that of this week was basically I mean, you saw with the the contract extensions and the things about johnny sexton's age and um how there's a huge huge gap between sexton and whoever is the the, the up-and-comer mm. and you saw people clamoring to try and get harry byrne fast-tracked into the ireland team and they want Craig Casey parachuted in, and I think it's just an interesting uh, little situation we well, find you ourselves in. in. You bring, you say, Murray is our scrum half, Harry Byrne is our out half. You've got the experience with the mm. 
it, and for no reason why Cooney should be in there. If you have someone like Billy Burns who's flaky at ten, mm. kicking points, why not have Cooney? Yep, you can take right. sixty points. You can well, also yeah, go you have with, like the, with Ross Byrne at thirteen option, hmm. which is well proven <laughs> at Leinster. <laughs> or twelve. This is all twelve or thirteen. He's the ultimate utility player to have in your back line. Ross <laughs> Byrne is the only way, lads. Well, Obviously. okay. Who, who who do you guys? Let's say everyone's fit for the Italy game, and you you have a full selection in in terms of yeah. um, who how how adventurous do you get, or do you? Well, see, the thing is, go, when people say ahead. throwing the kids, yeah, they assume they throw in the kids for Italy and continue picking them. Yeah, that's that's not happened. Your best case scenario in that case is you rest some of the first line players, and you put the the kids. I put, I put in inverted commas. You bring the new guys in. And maybe next year they're they're starters. Mm. We're we're gonna go with full strength because we need to win every game. And mm. um, that's what's gonna happen. I'd be I'd be shocked if our first team was. There might be something where like um, Kelher starts instead of Herring. Something something along those lines. I don't feel that's crazy enough though. <laughs> but to me, that should be kind of happening anyway. Yeah, maybe. I, I would. I, so I I think we should start rotating him in now. As long as his improvement in the line out holds up. Yeah, I don't think there's a big enough difference between the two in the way that I that I believe Herring well, I, being I think picked a, ahead of. I think there's a sizable difference between Keller athletically and Herring. This is, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I don't think Herring is far enough ahead of Kelleher in the one area that I believe he's being picked for to justify why Keller is not ahead on the basis of everything else. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Now, yeah, I'd, be, I, I'd be looking to get him more and more into the game if he's still starting. And that's something that's... I think we should just give each of our tight heads a half now if they're, if he's, if Tyg Furlong can uh, last a full half. Mm. Um, I think you should just do that bomb squad thing that South Africans do. If you've got, a, if you've got two tight heads or international class, at least, mm. just give them a half each. No, no, none of this waiting to 55 minutes or something. Just tell Porter to go 100% for the first half and then you have Furlong on. That actually sounds really sensible and reasonable. I don't know why we're not doing it. Let's with loose heads when um, Kilhoen's back. Mm. Um, that's what I do. But I don't know I'd go I'm... crazy and say, I don't know, I, I'm a big sinking ship mentality kind of person. So <laughs> I, I panic. like So if I just barrel, I just fuck all the young people in and say, lads, this is your chance to prove yourselves and save Irish rugby. So go out there and get us one in. <laughs> Sink or swim. Yeah, exactly. And if they do great, well then I'm totally vindicated. And if they do poorly, then it was only the young lads anyway, and you just want to change. Like I mean, I think he's getting to the stage now, Farrell, where he's gonna be caught in some sort of screwed if he does and screwed if he doesn't situation. Mm. So I just think he has to start making... I think that noticeable there's a change of tone in the um the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Generally, always lagging behind where it should be, but there's a change of tone where it says, "Okay, Murray Kinsla actually, in particular, after me saying he was a corporate chill last week, <laughs> uh, was going into t- t- tearing it to cast, was criticizing cast, saying, "What's mm. this? Where's the attack? Where's this evidence of us?" Mm. Um, so, like, it might be diverted towards him. Uh, so, I, I imagine at the end of Six Nations, he'll be gone. Yeah, he'll be the like official lamb. The um. The narrative seems to be that okay, cat was the problem, we'll get rid of him and then if the results turn around, then eventually I suppose the whole thing will come under more scrutiny and 
Uh, no, he'll, he'll leave at the end of the World Cup, probably. Jeez, you think? Okay, okay. I, I think to, to say the IRF will say, well, we've we've invested in him time wise as well as financially. Like we don't want to pay him off. Mm-hmm. Like who who you who you gonna get? Well, I, I, I don't know. But I saw I'm not Scott Robinson's free. He should be got, but he wasn't. I, I saw some people um, touting uh, during the week with well, Neil Francis uh, touting um, Ron Nogara. I, I, I think he'll be in after end. I think it'll be him and Paul O'Connell coaching duo mm. in 2023. But I, I don't see Farrell. He'd have to lose to Italy. Yep. He'd have to lose to Italy and maybe lose. Um, have a poor autumn internationals or whatever, whatever is there. Mm. Um, would, would you guys? Okay, we spoke speak a lot about performance on here. Right? Let's look forward to the Italy match. And I just want to propose a hypothetical. Would you guys prefer if you went with a totally inexperienced team who put up a really good performance and narrowly lost, than if you put out a fully experienced team who put in a shit performance but won? I'd prefer to win, to be honest, because okay. financially, you have to consider that. Each yeah. spot in the Six Nations is really important. Um, and again, there's no guarantee that the kids um, will perform better against England or Scotland. Yeah. It's um, funny. I always the, argue the that... The coaching ticket that's playing poorly with the experienced players will still have them young lads playing poorly, most likely. Yeah, well, I think um, the young lads have it in them to say, fuck your system, bro. I'm just going to go out here and do my natural ability. And then when the next real coach comes in, he'll recognize you for what I have. <laughs> I'm quite childish mentally, but uh, they, they, yeah. They come in and yeast, yeast their way through the. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, like, coach. And Entomac or Jolly Bear are all much younger than, or say, not much younger, the same age mm. as like someone like Casey and. Mm. Harry Byrne and stuff, but they got played international rugby for years, a couple of years. Mm. That's what sometimes you have to do. Like, like I don't like, think Texan for this situation because he's going to back himself. It's up to the coach and the RFU to say, no, this is our man. Mm. And I wonder if Sexton is almost too much of a dominant character. Oh, he, he has his own way. Too that's much. not his fault. If if the RFU is letting him get bullied by Sexton, well, they deserve every loss that's coming their way. <laughs> Perhaps that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, I think like there's a level of personal agency there that Sexton could say maybe no, I'm the problem. He, not that he, I think he is the problem, but like you know, no player or sorry, very few players will say I'm not good enough. Every player will say I'm going to put 100 percent in, and if I get picked, if I don't get picked, then I'm not good enough. But I'm still getting picked. Like why, why not keep continue? Like why not keep getting paid to play rugby? Mm. To save your brain, I guess. Uh, that's different. That's different case altogether. Like, and it looks like Doris might be done. What? Yeah, that was that was very worrying. Um, apparently, he's been stood down indefinitely, and um, because of the concussion symptoms or whatever. Yeah. So that that is that is a huge development because um, he's still very young. So um, his parents are psychotherapists, or psych- not psychologists, but. It involves the study of the brain, whatever they do. No, Not neurologists, no. Yeah. Psycho something, I think. Brain people. <laughs> yes, and he's studying that as well, so he's no illusions about what that could do. Hmm. And if he's like 22 or whatever, 23, not even 23, yeah. um, and he's getting this much now, 
Yeah, you, you can be guaranteed a decade. Yeah, that's sad. It that's is. That's a downer. Well, let's um, try and pivot to a more positive note. Levy's injured for the rest of the season. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Levy's injured for the rest of the season. So that's Looks like Jimmy O'Brien might be out as well. Yep, yep. Everyone, they're dropping like flies. Now. This is the uh, the back row. Depth. That could that could be the like like that's that's what Levy said. Like people don't survive. If if everyone was fit, like everyone was fit mm. and a hundred percent of their capabilities, I think Dan Levy and Doris would probably be starting for us mm. for Ireland. Like assuming the coach has the diplomatic balls to drop a few months of players. Yeah, I agree. He was starting yeah. beforehand before he got injured again. Well, mm. um, like you say, oh, how do you keep Deegan, Conan, and Doris mm. fit? Well. Only one of them's fit now. Yep. Uh, one of them might be retiring now because of this concussion mm. issues. One's gone for the rest of the season, so it's all on Conan now at number eight. Mm. You say, okay, what about Penny, Levy, Van der Fleer? Like, how do you balance that? Well, Levy's injured now again. Penny's only coming back from injury. Mm. Like, this is what happens. Like, does, does American football have this level of attrition? Yeah. Uh, well, they only play, they, they don't play as many games. They they played the sixteen game regular season and they get a bye week in there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they practice as much. There's restrictions. They're, on only, they're only allowed to have one physical practice a uh, week, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's um, a lot of positions like like I know the quarterback gets hit and all that, but if you play the game, they're like, you actually don't really hit that much. Um, yeah, it depends. Like you, if you're on the when, line, you get concussed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But if you're it, whereas in rugby, I don't think there's too many places to hide where it's like, yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be physical no matter what. And, um, yeah, and if you're not being physical, then you're not going to be on the field for too long because you're going to get dropped. Mm. Everybody kind of has to be, really, don't they? Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. uh, I just wonder, like, you know, well, well, it's just is it going to be long for this world? And there's obviously going to be an element of risk, but people are just going to stop playing it if it is that risky. I think. You know, because if you look at the rugby culture in this country, and uh, you said like Doris's parents are brain people or whatever, like a lot of the rugby families, so to speak, are well to do. So, you know, it's going to take a fairly fucking pig ignorant parent, I would say, to have their kid go through and play rugby at any psychotherapist level. Okay, brain people. (laughs) Yeah, look, um, I, I think that's kind of related to the Welsh game. The Welsh yeah. Scottish game. Yeah, well, we forgot to the red them. cards. We'll, we'll, we'll pivot like, to, to them, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like... How can how, you rock? No, no, how, like, in general, pro rugby will end up, because we're in, obviously, COVID recession mm-hmm. in terms of uh, rugby sport. Like, every, every club and organisation is doing worse because there's no crowds. We can now have the reason there's red cards everywhere now. It's because it's they don't want a concussion lawsuit in five years' time or another one. As it's there's one going on at the moment. Um, that's going to push up insurance. It's in a death pay. spiral, is what you're saying. No, I'm not saying. I think it's it's. <laughs> I don't know how how to how I'm going to phrase it or how how. Well, I think rocking as it is can't can, can't continue. And I'm not saying that for player welfare. I'm saying, look at the factors that are around at the minute. It's not sustainable. I don't know. I, I, 
Well, like, like people you said, can't have it every way. It's not possible to do it safely. They've pretty much eliminated the dump spear tackle because they clamped down on it famously in um, Warburton's mm. case. Like high tackles have gone down after they've um, penalised this and red carded it very quickly in it. So I imagine the same thing will happen now. Well, like th- th- this week was interesting. Um, I'm sorry, well, neither of those red cards were wrong, in my opinion. Yep. Well, Xander Fagerson, uh, he made the fatal mistake of contesting his red card and got an extra week ban <laughs> versus Peter Omani. But it's um, funny because Peter Omani is going so much worse. Like and also already had a red card for it this season. Yeah, yeah, that was wow. Peter's second red of the season. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the breakdown I think is still a very much a live issue and. You look at what happened to that English guy with Jack Willis and um, with yeah. the croc roll. Um, see, I, I don't think that's. I, mean, I think that's what's unfortunate. Really? Do you think? Because uh, I know some people are really critical of the croc roll and find it very dangerous. Well, there's um, a big discussion about that during the week, Rob. Were you reading about that at all? I think I was. Yeah. Now the yeah. the new interpretations of the laws that was brought in after the break in rugby mm. was supposed to eliminate people getting hurt like that, mm. but. The crocodile is actually to- totally illegal based on the current framework of what a rook is. And yet it never gets penalized. This is what someone said. The rook at the minute is, is policed on a outcome basis rather than a yes. whatever the alternative is. So, like, I know, think so. Um, one possibility is we have a pro rugby rule set. Oh, I, and I, then... I don't think this, where say you're playing by the same rules as. J5 Metro League mm. as the World Cup final. Like the NFL is different to college, which is different to high school. Yeah, that makes that actually makes a lot of sense when you think about yeah, it. That's that's they do it because a lot of reasons for enta- entertainment and such. Mm. But like, yeah, I think you should say, like, well, there's there's difference between 130 kilos of muscle running out of another person playing over 80 minutes in a packed stadium is different than someone tagging out on. Yeah, Lakelands or something on a Sunday eve, Sunday afternoon. Like it's, I, I think it's just called. I think the problem is with this current interpretations and the previous ones and the next ones is they don't enforce the laws as is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a pet peeve of mine regarding the recent tree tree incidents yeah. regarding head contact, red cards, and rooks. Is that two of them? I think the Amani one is kind of weird because the guy was kind of lying on the wrong side or whatever but the josh van der Fleer and xander ferguson ones mm. okay players were actually in a more correct position than they would have otherwise been normally i.e by the letter of the law you're not supposed to have your head below your hips and yet that's the position most people get into and both of those incidents happened because the player didn't have their head below their hips so the players are breaking the rules and got fucked sorry the players were in a position to adhere to the rules and they end up getting fucked in the head because of it. You know, it's it's yeah, weird. Let ref deal with us then. That's one way, but I, it just seems totally strange that the safer position to be in, at least in terms of not getting hit in the head, is the illegal position. Mm. Well I, I, I think it's a it's um I find during matches um if you watch the rooks, I, I remember one particular one in the Italy England game where a the ref penalizes Garbisi for going off his feet for like it's like half a second or whatever. Mm. It's just I just was from then on I'm just like the consist 
you're not going to be able to referee that consistently. I think, um, I think, first of all, I think international rugby isn't in a great place. Mm. I don't think it's like there's always the case where club rugby is entertaining generally because there's more games, you can pick and choose which you like, and um, there's more space, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I just think international rugby is now an inferior product mm. to uh, regular rugby, regular rugby, club rugby. <laughs> um, well, well, actually, just taking that point, um, you did, did you do you guys saw the Johnny May try, yeah? yeah, the jump, yeah. So where where do you stand on the? Are you allowed jump? I, and all I, that? It's actually a rule saying you can't jump mm-hmm. uh, into the tackle. I, I I always assumed it was, but it's apparently it's not on the rule book. Um, mm. You shouldn't. Like it, it happened in what game did I see it in? It was our game actually. The the ref said like um, the player jumped up to get the ball or something. Um, he said he's just jumping to get the ball. I was like, well, that should be a penalty, but it obviously isn't in this under this rules. Um, I think I, I don't know because it's a great spectacle. I think that mm. that's a person died. and I don't think generally jumping for the corner is dangerous. That one was a bit dangerous, I thought, because mm. like I'm. Who is it a danger to though? I this is a question that I'm. When you're going low, if they jump, they're going to knee you in the head. Yeah. Or else you're going to hit them midair and they're going to land on the neck. That's the idea. This is where I I have actually quite a... I get bogged down in this notion of duty of care to oneself as well as the opposition player. And I think in instances like that, I wonder, like, you know, should they not be allowed to jump as a duty of care for themselves? And then can you penalize someone for not having a duty of care to themselves? You know what I mean? It yes. seems like... It seems like something that I've never seen, but I wonder if it's something we will see. I.e., what you just did was so incredibly fucking stupid, but it was only a danger to you, so you're getting yellow carded. Now, I can't ever remember seeing that, but I think it maybe should be. I, I remember hearing someone saying, you, like, you can't go mad because like I don't think you can be reckless to yourself without endangering, endangering someone else. Someone else yeah. The uh, Scotland Wales match, aside from the red card, I yeah. thought was the best match of the tournament so far, at least for me. Yeah, I they it. were better to be another Napoleon quote. This is your daily, uh, <laughs> weekly Napoleon quote. I'd rather have a lucky general than a good general. And that's yeah. what we're right now. Oh, uh, well. And it's not inconceivable they win the Six Nations. Yep. They beat France this... and they might. Okay, so here's a stream of questions for you Are Wales good? No. Are Scotland good? Yes, but they gave away a red card and they're starting to crumble. Okay, so that's a caveat. Before that, before even the red card. Then, as to call back to what you just said and what you said last week, the quality of rugby in 2011 versus now, as oh. you say, you think rugby's in a bad place. I think, like, well, it's entertaining. Yeah, I think, like, when you have Wales, that when you have that Wales team winning two weeks in a row, yeah. you kind of have to look around and say, the quality of the opposition, yeah, red cards notwithstanding, the quality of the opposition can't be at that healthy of a level. And then you look at Ireland and you say, okay, we might not be good, but, you know, based on that, you can only base your own quality on the quality of the opposition. Mm. And on that basis, we're probably not actually that bad. Um, I'm just thinking now, what, I would have the 2011 team, say, roughly, mm. over our team. 
Yeah. Now, I wouldn't have the whole maybe bench and the depth mm-hmm. and the coaching. So 2011, the team would be someone like, okay, Healy back then versus Healy now. I'd take the whole Healy probably. Yep, absolutely. That'd be Rory Best or well, Flannery is pretty much permanently injured back then. So Rory Best pretty much mm-hmm. over Herring. I'd have Rory Best. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Ross over Furlong or Porter. I'd have Mike. I would have a Furlong, a Furlong or Porter. I think that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Paul O'Connell. I would have him over. Mm, I definitely have him over Byrne or Henderson. Mm-hmm. Probably, most likely Ryan. Um, who would have been ours? Don't know who Callahan would be around that time, or would have been. Henderson, uh, Henderson played O'Connell, but that was a couple of years later. Um, I probably have one from each. I'd have mm. uh, one second row from each era. Mm. I'd have Ferris over any six we have. Yep. I'd have Heaslip over any eight we have. Yep. I'd have Wallace or O'Brien over any seven we have. Uh, who would be the next man? Leamy would be around back then. Maybe a bit late for him uh, in Possibly. terms of peak of the powers. Yep. You'd have young Murray versus older Murray. I think. The best Murray is somewhere in between. <laughs> oh, I'd probably have that Redden, that own Redden over Gibson Park. Yeah. I'd have young Sexton over... Old Sexton. Mm, yeah, I would, probably. Um, but I would have young Sexton over any of the other eight halves. Mm. I'd have Drico over anyone we have here. Okay. You'd have Darcy then at 12, maybe? Yeah. I, I'd probably have Hench over him at that time. Yeah. You'd have Rob Carney, to, young Rob Carney, I'd have him over mm. Keenan. You'd have Tommy Bow, I'd have him over anyone we have. And that'd be young. someone like young Keith Earls or Luke Fitz or the what, eternal what? Keith Earl. Yeah, I'd have <laughs> a younger one probably. That exercise actually is interesting because I'm surprised at the amount of players there that are actually potentially still nailed on as starters for 2023 yes. <laughs> i the find that enough squad yeah it's a bit uh it's a bit worrying in yeah, the oldest squad uh, it's just something we do we, we, you play really old players I, I i'm it's kind of endearing <laughs> yeah but outside of that like you mentioned last week about carter and mccaw new zealand versus now and then i i introduced that whole notion based on the wales scotland match and their squads so i think like the overall quality. Yeah. Like again, they had Palatow, um, Warburton. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm arguing with you. I'm saying, <laughs> list on fire. Quality now. Wales like poor. us. Wales like us have a lot of players from back then. They're yeah. really old now. Or retired. Yeah, I, I just think it's, England are better than they were back then and France are better. Hmm. Um, Italy, mm, who knows? It at least seemed to be in this constant cycle of uh, the next coach is going to revolutionize and bring up the youth, and they, 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 I think they, they, they have a lot of promise. Like, like Garbisi, I think now has played more for Italy than he's played yeah. for Treviso, which is what, crazy. Would you ever see that, like in Ireland? I don't think. You, oh, uh, no way. James Ryan was the last one that done that. Uh, it, like they had a nine. Italy had a nineteen-year-old at scrum half for the last two weeks and i'm trying to think like it's a it would be unusual if leinster played a teenager so to, to, played a few we played like 
uh, Osborne last time. Mm. Oh, Penny, yeah. Penny, like, no, Lancer would have maybe one season every couple of seasons. One, one a season. Um, but for an hour, to break into the Irish setup as a teenager would be, that would require some phenomenal. Gordon uh, Darcy did. Yes. He famously, what, did he do his leaving cert and then went on tour or couldn't go on tour because he was doing his leaving cert or something? Um, um, I remember, sorry, when we played Ospreys last time, I said a uh, Tom Pridey. Mm. Uh, I remember him. He's one of the youngest player to ever play for Wales. Mm. He's capped as like a teenager. He played for Wales. Two years later, he made his under 20s debut. Jesus. That's some pressure, like to start your career like that. Still playing. Yeah. Yeah. For the Os- mighty Just, Ospreys. Uh, like, okay, we spoke about Ireland's back line. Just looking at Reese Samet, I don't think he does anything phenomenal. I think what he does is fairly basic wing play, but he does it well. And I and then I look at Earls, like say, and I wonder, like, how can you not just do that? It's not fucking hard. This is your job as a wing is to do what Reese Samet does. He's not like he's, watch him. He's not doing mad shit. He just he's doing, he's doing what well. he is very well. Mm. He's he's fast. He's a live wire. He had a great kick in Scotland. Excellent. Really yeah. Um, okay. he's, yeah, he's a quality player, but I'm just yeah. looking at him and saying, like, this is what your wing is supposed to do. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, if your wing's not doing that, why are they in the team? Well, mm. that's that's something to say. We we don't pick wings on attacking ability. Yeah, mm. that rankles. And um, I said, like New Zealand, they'll have a they'll have someone like Reece Samet in, and they'll be gone in five years or something. Mm. They'll they'll milk them for everything they're worth, and then. Uh, move on to the next guy. It's just frustrating to see someone do it with such ease. And like, he's only just in the team mm. and he's there. Like now in fairness, you could say the same thing about Stockdale. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Years ago. Yeah. And if that's um, maybe we, uh, Zamas will continue this on. Maybe he won't. Mm. We'll have to wait and see. But like, um, it's just frustrating to see a wing be so damn effective without doing anything miraculous. And then look at you, what you have and be like, <laughs> why can't you do this, guy? <laughs> why can't um, you just pull tries out of the hat and win us games? Uh, re- really quickly, let's uh, just pivot to Dragons versus Leinster, which will be live on TG Car tomorrow night. Oh, my God. Which is good. I like it. Um, but yeah, any thoughts? Ross Byrne at 12, Harry Byrne at 10. Good to see Harry Byrne starting at 10. Captain, baby. Yep. It's I, uh, um, it's a good team when you get this time at this time of year. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be interesting to see the two Burns playing side by side. I think that'll be. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be good for Rothburn if he continues to play in the centres. Mm. Um, now it's it's not going to be the greatest challenge tomorrow, but that's probably a good place to be in in his career if he can. Okay, just, twelve. Let's focus in on Ross Byrne for a minute because I feel he's quite an interesting case at the minute. Yeah. If if you isolate his kicking as it is, place kicking, and leave it as it is, how much better do you think he has to get in other aspects of his game that he would be a starter for Ireland? Say, like I feel like he's not massively far off, but yeah, he's decently far off. If that makes sense, it's frustrating that. Maybe he's reached his limit. I don't know. But I feel like he could get better. You know, that's not beyond him. It's not beyond anyone to get better. I, I know, but when you, when you say that about any player, like, you say, oh, Ross Byrne played closer to the line 
and could break. But like, there's a reason they don't do it. Mm. Like, these players aren't just giving up on their career. Like, it, it's sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. Mm. And Ross Byrne, like, and when we say he's a good place kicker. He's not like um, half penny in his pump. Mm. Ah, yeah, he's, no, but I just think what he uh, needs to do, like, he can't seem to. Sorry, he doesn't have the body to be an athletic game breaker. Mm. He doesn't seem to have the quick pass his brother has. So well, he, if I was him, I'd be looking to make sure that you can say to a coach that, okay, I'm a high percentage kicker. I'll make my tackles at 10 or 12. And I'd really be using cross any the entire kicking game. Bringing that into, um, into play. Yeah. But like, I, I just think that's his limit. Like um, a pro 14 Europe group stages and occasionally, occasionally a, uh, like finalist player, but yeah, you might be absolutely right. I just, I feel like I'm crossing a straws here. You know, I think the Saxon thing is disastrous. It's disastrous the way it's been managed. <laughs> uh, no, 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 we've said this before. Like it's in fairness to RFU. Okay, let's look over the last ten years hmm. since Sexton made his breakthrough, pretty much hmm. eleven years now, actually. Jesus. Uh, O'Gara was fading at that time, so that's fine. Um, you had Ian Keatley come through. Yeah. Now, he got a couple of caps. He wasn't an international player, but he's a decent club-level player. You had Ian Madigan come through. Yep, he got destroyed by Matt O'Connor. <laughs> no, well, not entirely <laughs> true, I don't think. Even though, no, no. But Remember, he, I, Matt O'Connor was like, he's not a 10, we'll move him at yeah. 12. And... Yeah, Matt O'Connor didn't play him well, but... I think that I don't. I don't think that I think that reveals some stuff more than I know. But remember, remember you had that conflict between him and Joe Smith, where Joe Smith was still picking Madigan as yeah. the backup ten for Ireland. And, oh, and didn't didn't um, Adam Connor play picked um, Madigan, and then and quarter final came around, dropped in Copperth. Yeah, yeah, and then reversed another time. It was just it was a bad selection <laughs> policy here. But we spent too much blood and ink on uh, Madigan, Madigan before. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Madigan, Madigan gave us good service, then moved off to France, and that was the end of his international career. Mm-hmm. Like he he played into 2015 quarterfinals um, for Ireland. So you'd expect him, considering his age, to still be around, or at least around the last few years as a contender. You had um, McKinley, who got blinded in one eye and then ended up in Italy. It was a minor miracle he ever played again. You had. Um, JJ Hanran, who looked like a, a he was World Player of the Year nominee, I think, maybe even won that I for the under twenties. Yeah, his under twenties in South Africa. I remember he was really good, and they call him Jumping Jesus Hanrahan. Yeah, like, <laughs> I never heard he, that. He was really good. Everyone was like, "This is the next big thing." Yeah, and then when he moved off to Northampton, it was considered an absolute disaster. Mm. Uh, it's, it's panned out that he hasn't. It didn't work for him. Mm. Um, then you had. Paddy Jackson. shall not be named. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just named him. <laughs> but like, 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 he was an international quality out half. Yeah. That would be still playing. Yep. What it feels like to me, okay, is... And then, and then you had Joey Carberry, who may come back. Joey Carberry back. is literally the last hope. What's that thing in Star Wars where they say someone is the last hope or some shit? It feels like Joey Carberry is that. Yeah. So, so like, feels... that's, that's like what I mean, like... Uh, Ross Byrne, who was like, okay, this guy's good under a good young out half. And now it turns out, okay, he's got his limitations. And on top of that, you have the next people in Harry Byrne, 
You have Frawley, who looks like he might be migrating to centre now. You have Healy as Monster. Munster. Um, you brought in Billy Burns to Ulster. You brought you have Carty as uh, Connacht. Like these are all guys that have been tried or brought in, and still have to, the best to come in case of Healy and Ross Burns. That's not Ross Burns. Um, Harry Burn. Like mm. in that in that scenario, I'm a bit sympathetic to that there's not been a 10 developed now like i still think that you should have done more the the coaching setup should have done more to bring someone else in mm-hmm. but realistically like there's been people tried over sexton's career and no one's taken the, the jersey off him mm. nine's a bit different um because you had multiple options at nine and they weren't really picked over the last couple of years mm. so that now that's the crisis we're in where we don't have a nine we don't have a ten I said it earlier, Sexton's too much of a personality in Irish rugby, and I can't help but blame him for some of this. I don't know why, but I feel like maybe, like, he sabotaged people, but it's so irrational. But, like, you know, would, would he be beyond that? Isn't there a story about him stabbing someone with a scissors? Or he got stabbed by a scissors. I think the power there's an upcoming out half in uh, Tramco, one of the most... <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm so delusional. Uh, yeah, it feels like the whole country is drowning over, like in a, in the sea, and we're clutching, looking for a life boy of the town. Though, like, um, I've been normally like Six Nations comes this frustrating when we're not winning it, mm-hmm. especially because when we're not winning it, we're playing poorly. Uh, or but like as soon as that red card happened, I was like, okay, that's it. Six Nations is done. And it, it was literally a, kind of like a weight off my shoulder. I was like, it's now, it's now not can we win the Six Nations. It's now can we salvage the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Like, finish third, I think, would be an amazing result. We're not going to finish third. Probably not. But if we, we, it's possible if we win the next three games, that would be an absolutely incredible result. Um, but I've now resigned myself to saying, well, if this coaching staff is the same as it is on the World Cup, we're going to finish probably fifth or fourth maybe this year. Mm-hmm. We're not going to win it next year. Mm. And then we crash out at quarterfinals, maybe in the World Cup. Mm. And then we start the whole cycle over again. I think the fixtures for the World Cup are coming out next week, I think. I want off this wild ride, Neil. <laughs> I'm scrab- is- scrabbling for life boy here and I'm not finding one. <laughs> Joey Carberry is literally my life boy at this stage. Well, to give add fuel to that fire, apparently he's upped his training, and um, that's a good sign. Yeah, for like, I'm saying, like, if we get a couple of more coaches in mm-hmm. and replace the ones we have at the moment, get a couple of the players who are here, bring them into the squad, and then you have Joey Carberry, Wild Healy, and Harry Byrne are getting up to speed. Mm. Like things could turn around very quickly. Yep, like I suppose the. The, the best example would be South Africa. Hmm. Two, whatever, two years out from the World Cup were a bit of a mess, and then they obviously put it all together. The South African have massive yeah. depth and history the, of winning rugby, but like, actually, like things, like a lot of the players who were in the World Cup squad were also getting hammered by Ireland 30 points or something. Yep, yep. I question why Razzie couldn't turn Munster around. Well, he was turning them around, then he left for South Africa. Yep. Do you think he was turning them around? 
Yeah, they yeah. were definitely better. Definitely better than they were under uh, previous and subsequent coaches. Mm. He, I, I think he got them to their natural ceiling of a semi-final, and then um, mm. that was it. That's so patronizing. Monster <laughs> 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 um, fans hate that, I'd say, but uh, yeah, I mean, mm. who are they playing this weekend? Uh, Edinburgh and Craig Casey has been brought back into the squad. Oh no, wait—they haven't actually announced their team, but yeah. Craig Casey is back. <laughs> I was say, do you have GFC team? <laughs> I didn't. Maybe you'll actually get picked this week or make it onto the field. Man, that's so disrespectful. Yeah, it is actually. Normally, I don't, I don't um, gauge those things in terms of respect, but that, that is it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah, it's it good that he got ignorant. To the squad now. It, um, a similar thing was actually not uh, being left on the bench, but being brought on with 10 seconds left was Leo Cullen under mm. kidneys. Was it last season? Uh, I think so, yeah. It was very close to the end. Yeah. I, I, In every sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, that, that's, that's great, Kenny. Thanks. Uh, okay. Well, I think we'll leave it there anyway. Doom and gloom for all. Yeah. Well, hopefully Leinster will... Oh yes, that will that will send us the light as always. Yeah, bring everyone up, and then we'll start feeling good, and we'll start thinking, we'll put it all together against the league, etc., etc. Okay, okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>